Welcome to the I Want to Like Whiskey podcast. Maybe you've had a bad experience with whiskey in the past or had very strong, neat spirit thrust upon you and surprisingly not enjoyed it. If so, then this is the conversation for you. I'm Rob Patchett, Global Whiskey Ambassador for the Cotswolds Distillery, and I'm joined by leading personalities in the drinks industry who agree that more people need to drink whiskey but on their terms. We discuss whiskey cocktails, experiences, great people to follow in the industry, and how you can find your way into whiskey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the I Want to Like Whiskey podcast. My name is Rob. I'm the Global Whiskey Ambassador for the Cotswolds Distillery, as well as your host today. And today I am joined by two very, very special guests. We have Beth Weimark and Phoebe Calver. Beth is the editor of Whiskey Magazine, and Phoebe is the editor of American Whiskey Magazine. So it's very, very exciting to have you both here. Thank you both so much for being here. How are you both? Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, Very good, very happy to be here. Yeah. Cool, okay. So the most important thing that I have to talk about with this podcast is always you guys. But most importantly, how did you get into whiskey? So I guess, Beth, I'll ask you first, how did you get into whiskey? Not really until I started working with our parent company, um, Paragraph Publishing. So I'd had a few brushes with whiskey when I was younger. Um, my dad liked an occasional single malt on holiday, so I remember trying a singleton of Dufftown with him up in um, Scotland near Oban. Uh, and Jack Daniels and Coke, like most people of my age, I suppose, was a drink that I was familiar the with. ultimate and... highball in many ways. I know. <laughs> yeah, a drink of such prestige. Um, yeah, I, I worked as a barmaid when I was younger, and that was my drink of choice after a shift. Um, yeah, that was the, probably the earliest experiences, but... Joining this company and the really unparalleled experience that we get in terms of the liquids that we come into contact with, um, yeah, just introduced me to that much more, speaking to people who could tell you how to taste it properly, how to actually appreciate it. Sounds like it was a baptism of fire more than anything else, just completely thrust into the category. Uh, can I say no comment? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean that's, it's a great way to learn, isn't it? Just to... You know, to have all of these things thrown at you and to see what you can pick up and what what will um what really lights a fire in you. Yeah, a hundred percent. And Phoebe, what about yourself? Similarly to Beth, they kind of, it's it's not the glamorous answer. I wish it. I wish it could be. But yeah, when I joined the company five years ago, I think it was. I really had little to no interest or knowledge about whiskey, which is awful to say. Um, but it was purely just not something I'd really interacted with um, until joining the company and then I kind of began more on the gin side of things um that was my yes was actually jam. we met at um gin live didn't we yes we did yeah yeah so that was kind of where my love for spirits began but then the more I was involved in whiskey and the more I'm very much a from the people side of things that's how I sort of fall in love with things hopeless romantic and uh that was kind of how I came to fall in love with whiskey really is seeing the passion of the people and, and hearing about the way that they kind of create a story as well as a liquid and then realizing that just because you tasted one whiskey that was probably not something you should have tried for the first time when you were about 18 doesn't mean that they all taste like that so <laughs> I think understanding that you know there is a whiskey for everyone and actually there's many whiskies for everyone <laughs> something I've learned now. No I think that's a really good point in what you just said actually there's a there's a couple of things there I mean first and foremost the romanticism of what whiskey is which sounds bizarre to say but people who work for distilleries start distilleries create brands things like that there is a romanticism to what they want to do what they want to create how they want to um, build this this category more than anything else and it is so infectious to meet these people I mean one of the reasons I'm in the job I am is when I met Dan I was like wow this guy has it together with regards to his vision of what he wants to do how he wants to execute it and things like that so I agree completely with the romanticism and the infectious nature of these people around you that really just make you go yeah I think I want to be a part of this absolutely um but then also yeah just good liquid good people it's it is the most exciting thing mm -hmm. definitely that's why it's hard to leave yeah <laughs> once you're in you're yeah. in the fold forever well, exactly. why should we <laughs> why should we we are the, we are the future we're the ones pushing all of this forward right oh yeah that's great yeah no it's interesting you sort of mentioned that you know that the passion and the, the romanticism around the art of it because 
the more that you speak to people, the more you learn that this is an art as much as it is a science. And I think anyone who's anyone who's got themselves involved in distilling would probably agree. It's a and they the people that make it, the people that work within the industry do have that passion that I think is probably I don't want to disparage people who work in um, STEM industries, but I think that kind of passion around the creative process is is something that is particularly special and maybe even unique to people who make spirits and, and whiskey in particular, given the closer connection that you have to have to the liquid from day dot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know many industries where you have to take hardcore science, manufacturing production, and then also the creativity of the end product must also combined with the creativity of the marketing element to make all of these things have a synergy that is appealing to people that go, well, I just want to get a bit tipsy this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. God, is that what we were for? I know. Well. <laughs> Always drink responsibly. I mean, that is a very reductive way to basically categorise whiskey drinkers, but at the end of the day, it is it is an amalgamation of all these things, really, isn't it? It really is. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. It's nice kind of seeing as well the way that people's journey with with drinking develops over time you know and I think it can very much for me it, it was a means to an end to begin with at uni again drink responsibly Always. um but you know now it's nice that it becomes something you know if you've had like a long hard day and you want to talk about it and with your partner or your friend and you can sit down and open something really nice and just um, you can feel yourself unwinding and I think that is a nice way to develop your sort of your drinking habits as you get older and yeah and as you get to know more and more sort of mm -hmm. people that make it and more and more you discover more and more whiskies and find more and more favorites exactly. um you can not only appreciate the liquid but like you said you appreciate the story you appreciate how it came to be and mm -hmm. what whoever built it wanted to achieve with it whatever they wanted to kind of share with you as as the drinker and that's really special for sure but it's also okay if you do just need it to uh, <laughs> Yeah, and you guys, I mean, you guys are in a very privileged position, I would say, as well, because you're editors of very, very uh, influential whiskey magazines, the two, the two of you, and you're both very, very, um, I guess, you get to embrace and be introduced to so many people's different stories on, you know, their brand, their journey, what they've created, how they're executing it, and things like that, and so the understanding of those people is, is really at the forefront of what you have to do. You have to be able to communicate how everyone is able to create these brands and really what their vision is i mean it should be said that a lot of these people are they're brilliant communicators on their own yeah yeah i think also it's really interesting to note that a lot of people that create a brand like you know dan for example it's their sort of second career but it's a true passion project and that it's so transparent in in when you talk to them when you interview people you know we like you said we're so lucky that we get to speak to these people because it is again so infectious and you feel really like not to use this word but very blessed to do what we do we are though i'll leave now of course we are, <laughs> of course we are. um okay so obviously given that you're both editors of these wonderful publications um there must be these moments that you've had over the last few years being in that position where you've kind of gone whiskey made this happen but the moment is more um is more important to me than the actual way in which I got here. So I guess, you know, that is a long-winded way of saying, what is your best whiskey moment? I guess, Phoebe, I'll go with you first because I did see that you were recently over in the States. So Phoebe, what has been your best whiskey moment? Oh my gosh. Well, there's been so many. I think it's been, I think over the last sort of, well, the last four years really that I've been, uh, well, three and a half, four years that I've been editing American whiskey, there's been a lot of, incredible moments of that felt so surreal <laughs> because for a very long time I, I mean I was a massive fan of the Devil Wears Prada and uh, completely thought that was going to be my life uh, when I was younger I was very naive um, <laughs> who wants that to be their life no but um so the first time I found myself in New York in particular um and I was announcing some awards for for the Whiskey Magazine Awards um and I just thought how is this my life? How is this happening? <laughs> I found myself sort of surrounded by all these amazing people that were so talented and worldly and just completely smashing it in what they were producing. And I just, yeah, again, it was, it was hard to kind of comprehend 
that I've, that I found myself there. Um, and that was very special. And I mean, to be honest, just being able to go around places, all the sort of distilleries that I've seen over there was, it's quite something, but actually, ironically, I would say maybe my, my ultimate whiskey moment <laughs> was actually one that happened in London. And I don't know whether I should be saying this as an American whiskey editor, but it was honestly one of my first experiences. Um, and it was with the Balvenie and, uh, for their 25 year old Doublewood expression. Yeah. And they took us to Greenwich and we went to the observatory and had a tasting under the stars and it was all very whimsical and lovely, but also so kind of extravagant. And I just, again, that was the first time I really thought, wow, okay, this is, this is quite something. And this is a lot more than just having a drink and that being it, you know? So I think that was particularly the moment for me where I found myself going, I really want to be here. Whiskey under the stars. That is incredible. Uh, yeah. And uh, it was, it, they nailed it. I mean, the marketing was great. <laughs> I was hook, line and sinker. <laughs> and Beth, what about yourself? <laughs> well, one of my top moments, I does actually relate to the Balvenie as well. Um, I got an invitation to go to a dinner in London last October uh, to coincide with the launch of the anniversary expression for David Stewart. Obviously hugely respected man within the industry um and you know quite rightly so um so there was a dinner multiple courses pairings and um, that were chosen by by david himself and members of his his close team that he explained as we went through the meal and just it's that experience of being able to to sit with someone and soak up their knowledge soak up their their interest and their decades of learning and just yeah, being being in a position where you can come into contact with somebody like that who is so at the top of their game is something that I don't know how many other industries you'd find that in where you can get you can achieve such a close connection and be in such close proximity to people that that know so much. Mm. Um, another example, I went to a gosh, here I go rolling out my list of dinner party <laughs> invitations. And um, I went to a dinner with Morangi in London um, with uh, my predecessor, uh, previous whiskey magazine editor, a few weeks ago. Um, where I was sat next to Dr. Bill Lumsden at dinner, who's now, I, I wish he was my uncle. I'm just putting it out there, Bill, if you're ever looking for a surrogate niece. Um, Bill obviously does listen to this podcast, you know. <laughs> the, world's, the world's greatest whiskey podcast, Bill Lumsden, emails me all the time, asking to be on here, all the time. There we go, that's, that's my flag in the sand. So, uh, But yeah, again, just the chance to talk to him and learn a bit more about what he did. Again, there were some whiskeys paired with the dinner, which were ones of his, um, some very... Um, some very special expressions that I probably can't say too much about, but just that experience of being able to learn from someone like him, who is so sort of technically knowledgeable, but also so passionate. Um, and there, there was a final one, if you'll allow me, um, which again was something that was, um, it kind of took me by surprise when I remembered it. And I thought, oh, that was actually probably one of the nicest moments that I've had. Um, and that was me and my now fiance, <clears throat> um, when we were on holiday, <clears throat> of course, sorry, when we were on holiday in Cornwall a few years ago, um, I'd got a bottle of Tamdu from work and so one night um yeah it was quite a nice evening sort of getting towards sunset we didn't have any plans so I said well do you want to take a hip flask down to the beach so mm-hmm. we filled up this hip flask with Tamdu and went and sat on uh Gillen Bay's beach in Falmouth which is one of my favorite beaches in the world and just watched the sun go down together and Aww. sip this lovely whiskey um, see this is it isn't it so you know cute. oh god no no I think this is wonderful though because it, you know there are so many ways in which our jobs do allow us access to these amazing people and it has to be said this industry you almost can't be a fanboy fangirl because you have access to all of these wonderful people and not only that but also they're the nicest people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They don't have any sort of, they don't have any sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't think that they're celebrities. They don't think that they have this presence that they actually do. They're very, very humble. So when you sit next to them and have these conversations, they're just kind of like, well, yeah, I'm just a normal person like you. What would you like to talk about? Mm-hmm. Definitely. But then also whiskey does, whiskey does seep into our lives. And then it is part of these amazing opportunities that we get where, you know, sitting on a beach, being asked, being you know, being asked wonderful questions such as that, or you know, obviously, um, fire pits, dinner parties, just celebrations, anything like that. That's the wonderful thing about whiskey is that it can be part of our lives in so many different facets and still be positive at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like anything that you sort of discover 
discover a like for you can find ways to it finds ways to weave into your life and yet yeah, to, to weave into the the fabric of these lovely moments mm. and yeah absolutely yeah and i think also as well the great thing about working in whiskey is you don't have to turn off at five o'clock mm. you know Mm-mm. i still find myself you know if i have a whiskey of an evening or if i have a whiskey with friends or with my wife and, and something like that it's still part of my job but it's also a way in which i can unwind and i don't feel I don't feel this need to disassociate it from my personal life. I don't feel like it encroaches on my personal life. I don't know about you two. What do you think? That's actually a really interesting point to make because this is something that I've... I mean, I like to have the occasional absolute meltdown about the direction of my life. Who doesn't? Um, but, <laughs> um, but it's something I think about quite often. And I think because it has become such a part of my personality, this job, I think. And in a, in a way that I'm actually really happy with. And I, I like that side of myself I think it's the passion is something that is great to encourage and I remember particularly when uh, we went into lockdown not to bring that up um, and I had a complete moment of thinking who am I without this job because it's it really does like you say it's it, it kind of goes into everything and and you can see it everywhere and and you you see an advert for example and you think to yourself you know exactly what's gone on behind the scenes of that and or you have a drink in an evening and you think you're thinking about the flavour profiles and, and you're making notes and things like that. And but actually I think that to to love your job that much that actually you don't even necessarily notice of an evening that you're still technically working, you're kind of embracing it and, and enjoying it. That is a very lucky position to be in, really. Definitely. So yeah, no more meltdowns about that. <laughs> I mean I'm sure you'd have heard that too, Rob, but that, that line you get from the friends that you're drinking with that you're tasting with. Uh, oh my gosh! So you just get to drink great whiskey all day. Oh, what an awful job! Oh, where is you? Well, well, it is actually a job. There's some hard parts to it too, but you do sometimes have to take a step back and realize how lucky that you are, as you say, to have a job that can that you can find such pleasure in as well in your own time. And yeah, it's yeah. a job that really opens opens a lot of doors. Indeed. Yeah, I mean the thing is trying to justify what we do to people in <laughs> no the industry is just it's it it it's pointless mm-hmm. it's pointless because it goes back to that meme that was doing the rounds a few years ago it's like what my friends think what my parents think um what my boss thinks what, and then what yeah. you actually do <laughs> i don't know how i can best translate this but it's now gone on to tiktok you know and and reels where people go instagram versus reality and things like that i try not to get into that narrative but the reality is on paper i traveled the world talking about whiskey in reality I sit hunched over my laptop in a departure lounge of an airport, sipping a really bad coffee, trying to catch up on emails. Oh my gosh, and I feel so sick. Woe is me. I don't like to talk about that because it just sounds absolutely ridiculous. And people go, yeah, but you still get to travel. You're not in an office. You get to drink amazing whiskey. And it's like, okay, but everything, everything's got a light side and a dark side. Mm-hmm. Everything, the grass isn't always greener. It's just, it, we are really fortunate that we get to have these jobs where it doesn't feel like work all the time Mm -hmm. it is work obviously but sometimes it is just like you say you get to breathe in these moments and go this is my job this is great Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yeah well that's my uh that's my torrent of i do have a real job don't judge me over and done with i guess my next question um i've tried to word this in a different way because guilty is not guilty and guilt is not something that i believe in especially when it comes to whiskey so i guess i would say what would be both of your favourite unconventional ways to drink whiskey with regards to, you know, whether it is a whiskey and Coke? Um, I always bring it up because I'm a firm believer that a whiskey pina colada is a next level drink. But what would be your more unconventional way to drink whiskey that you really enjoy? Well, firstly, uh, we're going to have to come and see you and try a whiskey pina colada because I haven't tried that before. Yes. <laughs> I, know. I, will do, I will do both a, a normal pina colada and I do make a mean clarified pina colada. Fantastic. Ooh. Something to look forward to. Mm. So, yeah. Well, there you go. Invitation extended. <laughs> um, that's the only reason I came on. Right. See ya. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, for me, I, I, I do actually love um, a whiskey and coke, but... Slight twist. Um, so I've been drinking a lot of a rye whiskey and then a cherry Coke or cola. You know, other brands are available. Uh, <laughs> yes. And all that jazz. Amazing. 
Um, but it, so particularly, I feel bad. Actually, well, no, no, I shouldn't feel bad. It's allowed. Can, you can enjoy it however you want. No, no guilt. No guilt. Yeah, no feeling bad. But yeah, I love. So I'm a little bit obsessed with um, Rabbit Hole's Boxer Grail Rye. I do love that. Um, if anyone's in Louisville yeah. or Louisville, been trying to practice, um, then I would recommend going to see them because what they're doing is great. Um, but yeah, that with 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 cherry cola mm. is the one. I've got a sweet tooth, but I do also like a little hint of the spice. You know, that's going straight on my Friday like drink list. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. It's good yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, one of the one of the more unusual things. I mean, it's not. It's probably fairly vanilla by some people's standards. Mm-hmm. But um, I got a bottle of New Make from uh, the White Peak Distillery in Derbyshire. It was before they released their Wireworks whiskey. Um, the, the first batch of it um, so I've got a yeah, tiny bottle of the new make just to try it's really beautiful stuff I'll come on to how much I love new make a little mm-hmm. bit later on but um, mm-hmm. so this stuff it was you know like summertime starting to warm up and I thought I know I'll just chuck it in a mojito we'll see what happens I've got some lime I've got some soda we'll have a bit of fun and honestly one of the nicest mojitos I've ever drunk I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if, no, even know if I'd go back to rum yeah okay yeah. no I I, I I hear both of those uh, just to put it out there that um Blackrock um, in London, they are using our new make in a passion fruit mojito that they make, Ooh. and it is absolutely and incredible. Yeah, new make new make cocktails. Um, I've spoken about this before with Millie. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, your very aggressive agent, Beth. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I was literally, I was literally told that you were coming on the well, on the podcast. I was like, okay, Millie, I, I, d- I do as I'm told. Absolutely okay. fine. <laughs> No, 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 exactly. But she's an evangelist for new make and as am I as well, because so many of these new distilleries such as ourselves, mm-hmm. such as, you know, White Peaks and, pl- and places like that, um, Holyrood, obviously, are making incredible new make. And the application of it, it within the white spirit category is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, new make mojitos, absolutely all over that. And But let's never forget the sleeping giant that is Cherry Coke. And with yeah. whiskey, especially rye whiskey, amazing. Mm. Yeah. The one so vintage. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know what, I'm going to stop off at the shops and buy some things on the yeah. way home. <laughs> no, that is that they're good. They're really good answers, actually. Thank mm-hmm. you. And again, it's a continuation of that. We shouldn't be sleeping on new make more than anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, for our for our Christmas party at the distillery, um, I made a few sort of pre batched cocktails for everybody. Uh, one of them was. Do you remember Solero ice lollies? Oh, oh. goodness, yes. Throwback. <laughs> yeah, exactly right so i made a solero milk punch with um with our new make oh, and it was just God. absolutely yeah just absolutely awesome but then also i went on this whole tangent of i was really really fortunate i had loads and loads of work to do laptop wise instead of instead of working from home i just basically pitched up to our npd lab our new product development lab at the distillery opened the laptop was smashing through emails but in the background I was taking little breaks to batch cocktails for the Christmas party and um, we have a cafe at the distillery so I took all the spent coffee from the cafe mixed it with sugar to make this really like silky sort of coffee saccharum you know it just extracts all the oils from the from the coffee and then it mixes it into like this sweet sort of um like syrupy ganache and then you blend that back with new make and also um cold brew coffee that makes you a coffee liqueur and then i was able to make some cold brew put some new make in there we had pre-batched espresso martinis at the distillery it was absolutely awesome so we did that um new make solero milk punches and then obviously the classic new make pina coladas as well Tasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, That's all I need. Too early in the day to be this thirsty, <laughs> I have to say. No, it's funny you should mention the, the idea of the sort of whiskey-based espresso martini. There's a great cocktail bar in Norwich, mm. um, where we both are, um, that, yeah, for a while on its menu, it had the most fantastic, um, I think it was Buffalo Trace bourbon espresso yeah. martinis. They were delightful. Mm-hmm. Also a fig old-fashioned, I've just remembered, oh, in a moment yeah. of clarity. It's utterly yes. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Yes, absolutely. Um, I always use uh, Audemars Spirit's Covert Fig Liqueur in my old fashions, and it just works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is going to play into something yeah. I was going to talk okay, about. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to ask the advice of both of you now. Uh, Beth, I'm going to ask you first. Mm-hmm. So 
one way in which I frame this entire podcast is for people such as our wonderful producer Barney who want to get into whiskey or are recently getting into whiskey and you know it's always the classic we've all been in this experience somebody has usually thrust some a glass of spirit a glass of whiskey at someone and gone if you don't like this you don't like whiskey and it's like okay it's room temperature it's usually a really high ABV and let's be honest your body will just react and go you're poisoning me what are you doing <laughs> but there are ways and means in which you can get into whiskey and enjoy whiskey without feeling like you're being poisoned and so Beth I'll ask you first what would be your advice to anyone that has said the words I want to like whiskey but um I think whiskey gets in its own way quite a lot um, in terms of introducing people to the category. Um, obviously, we've all got our favourites and the ways that we would enjoy them, but just appreciating the fact that somebody who's completely new to it doesn't have any of that prior knowledge. Um, it's difficult to see the wood for the trees mm. sometimes, I think, when you spend, as we've already discussed, you spend quite a lot of your time in and out of work thinking about whiskey. Mm. Um, so the first thing that I normally tell people is, you probably do like whiskey, you just haven't tried the one that you like yet. Um, I've been fortunate enough nice. to host a couple of tastings recently where we've gone through a selection of different whiskies. There was one one I did for a friend of mine and some of his colleagues where the theme was basically whiskies that come from countries where you wouldn't think they make a whiskey like this. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, we had a, a new one. What whiskies uh, did you have on that tasting out of curiosity? Uh, so we had the Jack Daniels Bonded, fantastic um, sort of whiskey, and a, mm. a chance to introduce the idea of a bottled in bond and also... Finally put to rest the discussion, is Jack Daniels a, a Tennessee whiskey or is it a bourbon? No. Um, <laughs> okay, so for the listeners of the greatest whiskey podcast in the world, can you clarify? Can you finally put the nail in the coffin and tell everyone, is Jack Daniels a bourbon? Um, well, I'm I... expecting a call from Chris Fletcher in a minute, but n no, it's, <laughs> no, it's a Tennessee whiskey. There you go, it. Yeah. I mean, it, fundamentally, they're fairly similar. Hey, if but... you get into technicalities, yeah. <laughs> but the technicalities aren't helpful, so... <laughs> No. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, the Jack Daniels Bonded was on that tasting. Um, there was a rye whiskey from uh, Kiro in Finland, who I could wax lyrical about. I love their stuff. Um, there yeah, was, was I love those guys. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, one of the small batch releases uh, of Wireworks whiskey from White Peak. Uh, obviously, English peated whiskey. You don't see an awful lot of that. Uh, Classic Laddie by Brook Laddie, which was a, a crowd favourite, actually, in that tasting. Again, because it's an Isla whiskey, you'd assume, oh, they're all, they're all peated and they all taste like bonfire, so I won't mm. like them. But obviously, Brooklady's the majority of the stuff it reduce, produces is unpeated. Um, yeah. Mm. But just the, the chance to show people that there's so much variety out there. Um, that if you say you don't like whiskey, it's a bit like saying, a bit like saying you don't like cheese. Or, yeah, there's so much variety to explore and people just need... To, they need someone to show them that it's okay to say you don't like one thing, but to show you something else, to take you in a different direction, to find you something that you might like. Mm -hmm. um, and the other lesson would be, don't worry about how people tell you to drink it. I'm sure any, anyone and everyone you ask on this podcast is going to say the same thing. The people that make the whiskey just want you to enjoy it, which means they wouldn't want you to drink it in a way, just because somebody told you that's how they thought you should enjoy it, that means you don't like it. Mm -hmm. What's the point? Nobody's winning in that scenario. Exactly. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, I can't stand people that tell others how they should drink their drink. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it, you don't do it in any other drinks category. No one stands in a bar and goes, that's not how you have a gin and tonic. It's like, what? Okay, that's not how you, you should drink beer. What? No, stop it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. Why is whiskey one of the only categories in which people staunchly tell others how they should and shouldn't drink it? Like, mm -hmm. Stop it, go away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, Phoebe, what do you reckon? How should we get more people into this category? I think, well, I'm a massive advocate for getting people on distillery tours, basically. <laughs> I think that if you, you know, for me in particular, it's made a massive difference during my career to go on distillery tours and then you see all of these different approaches to drinking whiskey. And I think, but also being introduced how to, you know, being told this might, this will happen. You know, you want to sort of prepare your palate if you if you're kind of choking a little bit, don't worry about it. It doesn't mean that you're an idiot. You know, don't be embarrassed. <laughs> it's just your body's natural. Is this the takeaway of the podcast? If you're choking, then don't worry about it. You're not an idiot. <laughs> exactly. No, all jokes aside. Um, this is why I shouldn't be allowed to speak before nine a.m. Um, so I was 
in last week when I was um, in Kentucky, we went to Buffalo Trace, and Freddie Johnson, who was just, you know, incredible and a bit of an icon, um, he was sort of talking us through a tasting, and it was, you know, it was very repetitive, and but great for somebody that if they'd never, there were a few journalists there that had never tried whiskey before, and for them, it was kind of showing a step-by-step way of the different ways you can try something, you know, it was, you know, with water, without water, with some ice, with a cream liqueur, Mm -hmm. with a root beer, and it was something that I just thought was a great approach, and actually, if that had been my first experience, I think it would have made a massive difference, because it wasn't my first experience, and my first experience kind of (laughs) terrified me, so I think, you know, giving yourself that spectrum of of visits and, and things like that, it really opens up your eyes to the variety and the amazing people working in distilleries that want you to like whiskey, as Beth was sort of saying, you know, you don't Yeah. You don't want people to go away traumatized and so I think that's a really great way of of kind of embracing it and seeing also the variety from a single distillery, for example, you know. It's something that we live by, you know, we have a hundred thousand people come through our door every single year. Um, some of them like whiskey, some of them don't. Obviously we make gin, so there are people that come in for that reason, but we always embrace that if you're walking through our door, we will try and curate an experience that will allow you to enjoy whiskey as much as we do. So you get to peek behind the curtain, you get to see the people working, you get to see the process. And so sometimes when you dislike things, it's because of a lack of understanding and therefore it creates a fear and therefore you're dismissive of something. Whereas if you have an understanding of something being produced from the beginning, that understanding allows you to then come forward and go, well, if I understand it, I can embrace it more. And if I can embrace it, I can give it more time, more consideration, and you can just appreciate the nuance of it. Even if you don't like it, you understand it. And that makes such a difference, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think also um, one other thing I would say is, you know, getting a group together. And, for example, if you go to a bar that puts on tastings and things like that, if you, a, a lot of my friends, and particularly sort of a few of my girlfriends, they were very much of the thought that it wasn't for them because of, you know, many years of that being thrust upon everybody. Yeah. Um, you still do hear that stereotype from do. people. Oh, you know, the wife doesn't like whiskey. It's exactly. like, did you yeah. ask her? Yeah. <laughs> she tried to despise <laughs> that phrase with a passion. Oh, it's, it's, it's a, yeah. I can't, I cannot stand hearing that. I like to go, um, uh, slightly deaf when I start hearing that. Mm. <laughs> Block it from my mind. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do think, you know, I, I love, going to places with my with my friends and they kind of get seeing them be introduced to such variety and also being told that you can drink it however the hell you want you know that's absolutely fine don't feel that you need just because you know I might choose to drink something straight does not mean you have to like it we're all individual we all have very different palates yeah and I think again it's it's just the more you kind of experience it and experience it in groups and see that variety in yeah. in palettes and choices I think particularly groups where there's people who have a, a similar level of understanding to you mm. I mean if you were a couple of newbies who were on a distillery tour with loads of people who'd done dozens of distillery tours before you there's not you would not necessarily have the confidence to ask the questions that you might want to ask for mm. that fear of um seeming ignorant mm-hmm. I suppose yeah um so making sure that you can you know, you can get people together who have a similar level of understanding, so they have they don't have that fear of of questioning, of asking, mm-hmm. um, of checking, because you you know you need to encourage the questions so that people can learn. You yeah. want to bring more people on the journey with you. Definitely. At the end of the day, we're all human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't want to be. Im- we're all human. Embarrassed. Exactly. Curiosity is everything. Well, yeah, exactly. Curiosity. If you if you've got someone that is even vaguely curious in the category feed it like a small fire and let it just go bigger and bigger because that curiosity will turn someone into a, a avid whiskey drinker that will create their own personal preferences and that's all you ever want from somebody that's coming to the category is build your own preferences your own styles um and that's the most important thing um so another question that i always have is my perspective on whiskey is a very interesting one because i work for a distillery in which we also make gin um as well as other spirits And if gin had the same treatment as whiskey with regards to you can only drink it, you know, historically, you can only drink it neat. You can only drink it at warm, at room temperature. It can only be from 
I don't know, with whiskey it was Scotland, obviously with gin. You can only drink gin from England. Um, that's not the case. Everyone drinks gin and tonics, they drink them all over the world, and so it still baffles me why whiskey can only be from Scotland or it can only be from Ireland and it cannot be mixed. So my ne- my, this is a long-winded introduction to <laughs> let's, mi- let's mix whiskey, let's mix it, let's actually dilute it, let's put it over ice with a mixer and have it as a drink in summertime. And so my question would be to both of you, are there any mixers out there that you really think are doing great things for making whiskey just that much more approachable as a mixed drink besides the obvious soda and ginger ale? Well, that's going to kill me off because I was actually going to say ginger. (laughs) Well, not ginger beer. (laughs) Because I'm just, I mean, I know it's, I'm a bit too much of a traditionalist, I suppose. But I think there's just so much variety in the ones being produced at the minute and whether, you know, you can add... It can be spicy, can be sweet. And I think for people that are coming into it and mixing, I think that's quite nice because it plays into every palette. But, you know, I'm being boring. So I'll... Uh, no, I think <laughs> there's, there's a lot of potential. Phoebe, Phoebe, I'm just going to interject a little bit there, though, because you've already come up with the greatest answer anyway. Oh. Cherry Coke. <laughs> this is true. I, that's what I was going to say again. Sorry, Beth. I, I, I cut you off there, Beth. No, I was, I was going to agree with Phoebe. You know, ginger mm. as a... Not just on its own, but I mean, it's got a lot of pairing potentials. Um, ginger and raspberry if you found the right sort of combination or I'm going to come back to mint again I had a fantastic cocktail at a different Glenmorangie event last year which was I think that was um, yeah sort of ginger and mint and that Mm. just blew my mind yeah fresh yeah Yeah, definitely yeah yeah okay so I will eat my own words (laughs) ginger ale is still legit because (laughs) also ginger ale is one of those drinks that you will find in any bar around Mm. the world which means that let's be honest Sometimes you might be stuck in a dive bar in somewhere that, you know, is a bit weird, mm-hmm. but you can get a whiskey and ginger. Yeah. Like, no matter where you are, you can always get a whiskey and ginger. So I guess it's one of those global drinks that you will always be able to find and rely on sure. as a solid drink. I've got another one to pitch. Go. Um, sweet tea. Oh. Yeah, like I, like iced tea. I think, you know, again, talk, talking about gin and the way that you mix that, you can find, you could probably mm. find a tea of some kind to pair with pretty much any gin that's out there. And I don't know why we shouldn't try the same with, with whiskies. Mm. Um, yeah, I went to um, Virginia for the first time a few years ago and I'm like, I'm a massive fan of sweet tea. I wish I could replace my blood with it. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, in terms of a mixer for whiskey, like, yeah, I think there's a lot of potential we could explore there. And obviously you can, you know, you can explore with flavoured teas as well, different flavoured yeah. syrups to jazz things up. I could get behind that, you know. Yeah, definitely. I did have a sweet tea last week, actually, and I'm now sad that it just isn't the same there over here. We <laughs> <laughs> need to make a homemade one. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start Googling sweet teas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I think you're onto something there. I think that could be absolutely incredible as a really good way of lengthening whiskey. And it will just... You know, the sweetness, the bitterness, but also mm-hmm. a little bit of tannin and just that uplifting aromatic element of it as well. I you think are. there is a, a huge mm-hmm. amount of scope for a whiskey tea style drink. Mm. Yeah, sure. There we go. That's my tea. I'm going to leave it with you guys to pioneer this serve. <laughs> yeah, we'll work on it. Yeah. We'll actually do that this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, we're just um, <laughs> professional development, right? Exactly. We're going to have had a dry afternoon before that, aren't we? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, got some training. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm going to lead into my next line of questioning, which is a bit of a weird one. I call it the punch-up section. I am not an advocate for violence in any way, so when I say punch-up, I really do mean you guys should do what you already do, which is platforming people that others need to be aware of. So for all of our wonderful listeners on the I Want to Like Whiskey podcast, with regards to punching up, who, what, and where, so we'll start with the who, Phoebe and Beth, who would you like everyone to be aware of within the whiskey industry? So I've very much gone down, which it works out well because I can see Beth's notes. Um, I've gone down the route of very much communicators in who I'm kind of thinking we need to punch up. Um, not in the violence way again, just to clarify. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure that everybody's heard of her, but the work that Becky Paskin's doing is amazing yes. um, for our Whiskey Foundation. I think, you know, it's all, she, throughout my career, she's really been there as a support and, and then I think the mentorship program that they're working on is just such a brilliant idea. So had to get that out there because couldn't leave it. Mm. Um, but I also think that Christy, Sherry and 
that her, particularly her social media recently has just been, I mean, she's always been amazing, but it's just so... Whiskey in 60 uh, seconds. Yes. I was literally just yeah. about to say that I think that if I'd have seen that when I first came into it, it would have been so helpful and educational. You know, three whiskeys in 60 seconds. You're not getting overwhelmed. You're just getting a breakdown, but it, it's really easy to understand and also enticing. And again, you know, she's she's been posting these quotes as well, you know, like whiskey is for everyone yeah. and things like that. Yeah, I, I reposted her the other day, yeah. um, which funnily enough actually instigated a conversation in which she may also be a guest on this oh, podcast. Fantastic. Oh, seamless link. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. But yes, yeah, I just think, you know, that she's absolutely amazing. Biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think... It's just so helpful for people on social media if they, you know, come across her and that's their first gateway into whiskey or whiskey education, maybe, then that's brilliant and so approachable and so friendly. So, yeah, I think that she's fab. And then also, two two women in um, America, I realise these are all women now, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so, so Marianne... People are people, right? Exactly. Um Marianne Eves and Jackie Zycan, they're, they're both individuals that have sort of left massive brands, massive roles in, in massive brands over there. And they're kind of branching off. And Marianne Eves is doing her Eves Blind collection, which is sort of a, a blind tasting set, um, working with distilleries over there. And Jackie has started her, her new distillery, um, Hidden Barn. Barn. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> suddenly, I needed another coffee there. Um, yeah, and it's just so nice to see the freedom of expression um, and the skill that, that they're kind of putting out there at the minute. And I think it's nice to see that, because you kind of assume when somebody starts working with a, with a massive brand and has this incredible huge role that actually maybe they'll stick in that for many, many years, which there's nothing wrong with. But it's nice to see the bravery of kind of stepping away from that and doing something different. And yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. We love to see it. We do. And Beth, who, who, are you, who are you punching up, Beth? To be honest, I also thought about Christy Sherry because as Phoebe said, she's just, she's a fantastic communicator and she's done so much great work to make whiskey feel more accessible. Yeah, she takes such a casual yes. approach to it. Yes. I think all of us could, could learn something from. Mm. Um, but I went down the producer route in the end. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I've got two people. Uh, first is uh, Kelsey McKechnie at the Balvenie, who took over from David Stewart um, earlier this year. Yeah. One of the youngest people, I think, not just women, to hold that role. Well, she's got the role of malt master, you know, master mm. distiller. Um, it's not not somebody you would perhaps expect to find someone of her age in, in that kind of role. But again, we, we love to see it. I mean, she's been learning under David for a number of years and has really sort of proven herself to be quite an exceptional talent. I know that Millie interviewed her for Whiskey Magazine um, last year and she is one that I would definitely keep an eye on. She's obviously got a behemoth of a brand to look after, but what kind of new spin is she going to bring? I'm just excited to see how that's going to progress. And the other person is a guy called Matt Hoffman who runs a distillery called Westland yes. in Washington State. Yeah, you know. Yes. You know. If you know, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, we love Matt. Yeah. Yes, so, great show. Yeah, so I was able to interview him for Whiskey Mag um, last year um, just to talk a bit more about his distillery, his philosophy, um, and about the movement in American single malt that he's been so um, so kind of key in pushing forwards. And his whole philosophy yeah. on whiskey making just... Mm. I'm, I would bow down at an altar to him to be honest he's mm-hmm. taken such a fresh approach and he's not he's not afraid to be progressive but in such a granular way he's really has really taken a, a root and branch review of how you make a whiskey and in this kind of newer market where he's got the freedom to explore I mean using um, using barrels to age the whiskey in his Gariana series that's come from locally like a local species of oak that you only mm. find in Washington and Oregon um, harvesting yeah. peat from a local peat bog so obviously there's a lot, a lot of questioning around the sustainability of Pete at the minute, but he's found a way to, to experiment with it that works for him. Mm-hmm. Always experiments with speciality malts, like I could go on. And also he's so, he's so eloquent. He knows oh, the messages wow. that he wants to share and, and gets them across so well. I would, yeah, just recommend keeping an eye on him and listening to what he's got to say and sure. definitely trying some of his whiskeys because they're fantastic. Sweet. I was actually in a car with him really last year, mm-hmm. and uh, we had to drive down to to see all of the 
well, we went to the bread lab, which was sounds sounds weird, but was amazing um, <laughs> to see all the work they're doing there. But I think it was maybe like an hour hour car journey because they have so much space over there. Wow. Um, obviously, it's not like here where you drive 10 minutes down the road and you're in a different county. Um, but yes, it was so eloquently put and it was the fastest hour of my life because it was so packed full of information. Mm. But just, I mean, it was... Almost overwhelming, but incredible yeah. that one brain can just yeah coming, think like that. It's yeah coming back to the point about people who are passionate and people who you know have this understanding that they can mm. share and that they really want to share. And Matt's a great example of that. Absolutely, everyone that you just spoke about, I think, are absolute pioneers in what they're doing. And again, feeds into what we said that curiosity really does progress into being able to communicate things so amazingly. That yeah, mm. I I agree. Um, okay, so what what products, what things are going on in whiskey right now that you both think are just need more people to be aware of, really? Um, so I've kind of gone actually down an RTD route. Hmm. Yes. Um, interesting. Which is, it is interesting. I think it's because we've, we've kind of written a lot about them in American whiskey recently in our cocktails sort of area because they have been a massive thing over the last sort of couple of years, really. Um, and somebody that I spoke to, well, it would be a couple of years ago now, um, Amanda Victoria, that created Siponi, or Siponi. Um, I was going to say, is that how you say it? Siponi. <laughs> Amanda Victoria, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone with both routes, so I can't lose. Um, yes. So it's, I mean, she's just kind of took a really different approach. She had quite a good history in, in the world of spirits, and she'd seen a lot of whiskey making, and also seen a lot of the way that brands were produced and and at that point in time rtds were really kind of coming through but maybe you know some were not produced with the consumer experience in mind and she really wanted to produce yeah. something natural and you know it wasn't going to give you a sore head in the morning but also you were gonna you were really going to enjoy the taste and it would feel like a cocktail not a slightly fizzy Kind of slightly whiskey drinking a can, um, and she's also you know very much sustainably minded, and she puts money towards apiaries. Is that yeah. for bees? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I didn't really think about that from the brand, um, and so yeah, I just think thinking about it in a whole different approach was really interesting to see um, because for me, I'd only really had experience with RTDs similarly to what she was saying, but they weren't flavour focused <laughs> and and I did end up and are these available in the UK yeah oh that is a very good question that I will have to come back to you on yeah. <laughs> um, I know definitely okay we, we will post on our social media where the availability Let in the UK is Google <laughs> should have checked that yeah. um, and Beth what product are you enjoying right now in the industry I'm going to start banging the drum for new make again. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that Millie has already punched a hole yes. in it with how hard she's banged it. But, um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, it's a, such a great thing to see whiskey makers celebrating the product that goes into the barrel. Um, there's obviously this figure that floats around between 60 and 80% of the flavour that you actually get from a whiskey comes from the wood that you put it into. But uh, distilleries like Holyrood, like Port of Leaf, like Cotswolds, like White Peak and... Uh, yeah, people like Matt over in America are really showing that that doesn't that conception doesn't necessarily hold true. And if you put if you put bad product, bad spirit into a barrel, what you get out the other end of it is probably not going to be spectacular. You can't guarantee on the the barrel to kind of solve all your ills. So, just using using new make as a showcase for the the fun that you can have, the experimentation that you can put into the way you produce, the yeast strains you use, the malts you use. Yeah. Um, yeah, different, just the nuances that you get from all these other little touch points in the production process. It's really exciting to see people giving a platform to that. You guys both must come to the distillery at some point in the yeah. near future, simply because right now we've just scaled up to a brand new whiskey distillery. Yeah. And so the process that we're going through as we speak is to match our new make spirit to our old distillery. So the experimentation of different points in heat transfer from from um, from the wash into the fermentation tanks. Um, we've got a subcooler, which means our phasing down is taking a little bit longer, but with more copper contact. So we're going through this deep, deep dive of chemical analysis as well as sensory analysis of new make at the moment, mm -hmm. and it is 
awesome. I'm absolutely loving it. So you guys must come down and sort of join in in this ride that we're going through with regards to getting our new make to the, to the right place with regards to our old distillery versus our new distillery. I'm getting in the car right now. I was going to say, there's nothing we love more than a bit of geek out over <laughs> yeah. these things. So. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, uh, new make, new make I, I always say that new make, a good barrel, a good new make going into a good barrel is about the barrel amplifying what you've already created as a whiskey distillery character. You don't need, I mean, don't get me wrong, sherry, STR, various other extractive casks can do their job with regards to creating a flavor profile, but you always want to be able to have that sense of distillery character in there. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I think that new make is very exciting. There are so many people concentrating on making amazing liquid and then the application of it before it's even in a barrel is endless as well just as a white spirit category so um yep once again we will all follow millie into the trenches of <laughs> telling everyone that new make is a thing yeah absolutely cool obviously you know we are of the industry but we are appreciators of whiskey as well i don't think appreciators is a word um but where do you both enjoy going um <laughs> i took a trip to the east london liquor company last summer um, got shown around by their senior distiller, Chris, um, who was obviously in the middle of a really busy day, but took 20 minutes just to take me out back, show me the distillery, show me how they do what they do. Um, and I think they're a great example of the openness that you find at some places in the industry and also these single sites that do everything and showcase everything. Um, so they've obviously got the distillery on site, they've got some warehousing there as well. Um, and then they've got a brilliant cocktail bar where they're mixing up with all of their own spirits it's and they also it? yeah so good it's such a lovely little site and they've got um they've got a little sort of blending testing lab there as well there's all these kind of these um the walls just lined with shelves that are packed with these tiny little bottles and all all sorts of bits and bobs it's great just to be able to get up that close and personal to somebody who's really experimenting mm. with spirit they also make a fantastic range of canned cocktails coming oh, back to your earlier nice. point about yeah. rtds yeah um they are really yeah. good yeah you're right Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I East like, London Liquor Company. Yeah. Yeah, I like the approach that those guys take. It's very, it's very no nonsense, and they've attracted a bit of negative press, perhaps for being, I don't know if standoffish is too strong a word, but the point is that they really are walking the walk with with what they make. They so. are who they are. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll take something from that. I yeah. Think. <laughs> being unapologetic. So. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. I, Alex is a super nice guy as well. Mm, yeah. And Phoebe. Oh, I was gonna say. I, I really love promoting going to sort of local distilleries in your area and, and, and that kind of thing. I think it's a really nice expansion on, on that sense of place and, and, you know, it's again, it tapping into that emotional side of, of whiskey and passionate side, I suppose. Um, cause I, I went, not that this is local to me, but recently <laughs> went to Angel's Envy distillery and I've been wanting to go there for a while wow. and sort of had an expansion and, I truly just had the best time. They so Greg, who was a fantastic tour guide, I have to give him a little shout out because he is also the number one fan of this podcast. <laughs> um, uh, he really, really just took the time to understand, you know, the levels. I was with a colleague, and and she is in a different department to us, so she doesn't really need to know as much about whiskey as we do. So we had a very varied knowledge base, um, and it was really nice to see the way that he made sure he understood the levels we were at and then tailored the sort the tour to make sure that we both got as much out of it as possible and i think sort of harking back to what we were saying earlier that is so important for getting more people into whiskey and understanding whiskey and enjoying it for what it is and what it can be for them um but also just enjoying a distillery bar is so just so great oh i mean God, yeah. you're literally in the place that's being made they have a lot of fun with their cocktail menus. Definitely. Their mixologists are incredible. Yeah. And the team, yeah, the team who are working obviously work with the, they're working with the same products and know mm -hmm. the, they know the product and they know the best way to showcase it. So if we're talking about sort of ways to enjoy, mm. ways to enjoy whiskey that aren't just straight in a, straight in a nosing glass, yeah. then that's probably the best place oh, that you sure. can get it. Yeah. I had such a good. Yeah. It's kind of like that farm to fork perspective, <laughs> exactly. isn't it? Except yeah, yeah, yeah. for it's, it's, it's more grain to glass because they're literally 
part of every point of the production all the way through to how it can be best executed instead of just sticking it in a glass. Yeah. It's like that level up of the brewery tap room in which they just basically pour you a pint and go, good in it. Yeah. It's more, <laughs> look what we can create with what we've made. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think, I mean, obviously it can taste, whiskey tastes fantastic wherever you're drinking it, uh, if, if you love it. And, you know, but I think you just sometimes, everyone should experience trying a whiskey in whatever form where it was made because it's just this whole holistic experience that I mean I'm getting a bit wooey now but you know it really it tastes different and it really lives in your in your memory and in all of your senses because I think you get the visual the smells the sounds mm-hmm. when and, you're in there and yeah and if you can take that from a, a distillery whose whose whiskies you'd like anyway or mm-hmm. one that you'd like to know more about that's that's probably the best wear that we could give anyone definitely just, yeah I agree completely. So, I mean, the, the big takeaways from here really are the romanticism of whiskey. Don't sleep on ginger ale. There are some amazing communicators in the world. Go visit your local distillery. And if you're choking, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm never going to live this down. <laughs> no, you're not, Phoebe. You're yeah. not. They'll absolutely not. But that's absolutely fine. <laughs> yeah. But finally, okay, so uh, our parting sentiment. So, Phoebe first... Anything you would like to promote, be it your work, your writings, your magazine, venues, anything, just basically plug whatever you are doing within the whiskey industry so more people can find out about you and the wonderful work that you are doing. Amazing. Um, Yes, well, obviously, I am doing an American whiskey magazine and we are based in the UK, but I think that is no reason not to check it out and find out more. Um, I think expanding on... American whiskey as a concept that it's just bourbon is something that has been so at the forefront of my mind since I became editor and and also just you know there's there's so much more to it than that and not that I'm discounting what an incredible category it is and what it's done for American whiskey but I think you know we've really enjoyed in the magazine promoting the different states and the different styles and the people and the different ways you can drink, you know, pairings, cocktails, cheese pairings, which are so great. If only I wasn't dairy intolerant. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's all, all... Sorry for laughing at that. Don't, don't worry. worry. I, I mean, Beth's laughing because she knows I still have it anyway. But, um, <laughs> so, but I, We're only human, right? Exactly. You only live once as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I would really recommend... People, even if you're just checking out the website, um, AmericanWhiskeyMag.com, um, or our social media, um, which is the same uh, on Instagram. Um, I think just taking a look and finding out more about what's happening over there, because we are all about breaking the perceptions that people have had in, in, in whiskey so far. And I think if that's one thing I can plug, it's checking that out and broadening people's uh, idea on American whiskey. No, I genuinely believe that everyone should read American Whiskey Magazine so that you know that there isn't just bourbon over there. Mm-hmm. That is the first thing. American Whiskey is incredible. And mm. sometimes the way that it's all portrayed over here in England is just bourbon, bourbon, bourbon. And it's so much more than that. So, yeah, I implore everyone, grab a copy of Whiskey Magazine, go on their website, find their socials, find Phoebe, and just start your own journey into American whiskey because it really is so much more than bourbon. Don't get me wrong, bourbon's amazing, but it really is so much more. So, um, yeah, do as Phoebe says immediately. And Beth, what about yourself? So, Whiskey Magazine obviously has a slightly broader remit. We celebrate the whiskies of the world. That's what we do. And over the 25 years that the magazine has been going, that job has got ever more exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only been working directly in whiskey for about the past five months. Um, like Phoebe, I was working um, sort of in gin with our company before. Um, but the community that we've built around the magazine, the community within the magazine who contribute to it, are honestly some of the best bunches of people that you could hope to mm-hmm. work with. And they are they're so knowledgeable and they're so again like we've used this word a lot but they're so passionate about sharing the stories so um one of the just one of the most exciting things is being able to track the changes um which countries and regions are coming up so for example later this year we'll be looking at india um and we've got some plans to look at sort of germany other parts of europe um and just trying to show people 
what's being done in all these little nooks and crannies outside of obviously there's there is sort of fair shout for Scotland and Ireland as well mm. and America being the the titans that they are but just giving the opportunity to being given the opportunity to show people that it's about so much more than that mm-hmm. um the yeah the variety the diversity and not just the products themselves sort of how they're being used and how people are showing them off the visitor experiences and sort of distillery tours and whatnot um, I should also say that as well as being a magazine publisher, our company does run events. So for those of you in the UK, that's Whiskey Live London, which is happening on the 1st of April this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the event is also licensed around the world. So, you know, pretty much any any country or um, you could name, we you know, there's a, there's a show local enough to you that you could give it a try. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also run the World Whiskies Awards which celebrate whiskey products. So if you were looking for a recommendation for something to try, this is yearly we're judging between about a thousand and fifteen hundred whiskies. So get mm-hmm. onto yeah, sort of get onto worldwhiskeywheels.com and have a look. Maybe you'd find a sort of a new a new bottling that you can give mm-hmm. a try there. We judge all different styles. So we've just announced the American winners. So you know go. you can uh, start that journey. Yeah. But getting back to whiskeymag.com, that's your hub for mm-hmm. All of these different things, the events, the awards, the content, the tastings, everything else. So that's um, just whiskeymag.com, Instagram and Twitter, whiskey underscore magazine and Facebook at whiskey magazine. So there you have it. Between Beth and Phoebe, you have 360 perspectives, be it print, be it social media, be it awards, be it actual uh, their words as well. Everything that they do will bring you more into the category, not only of American whiskey, but world whiskey and the wonderful world of whiskey in general. And so to Beth and Phoebe, I thank you both so much for being on the world's greatest podcast about whiskey. <laughs> and I can't wait to see you guys in person when you come and visit us at the yes, distillery. Definitely. Thank you. It's been a great start to the day. So yeah. Thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Rob. Brilliant. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Cotswolds Distillery, a grain-to-glass distillery based in the Cotswolds National Landscape, a designated area of outstanding natural beauty and the home of England's best-selling single malt whiskey. Our philosophy is simple. We make delicious spirits in a beautiful part of the world. The Cotswolds Distillery. Our spirit, your whiskey.